It's so good to see all of you here this morning. This is Kingdom Family. Uh, as I've been reflecting and thinking about this moment as the elders asked me to share, I've been thinking about the journey of me getting here to our Father's house. And I just want to encourage you, we talked about it earlier, that some of us may have been around family this week. We may have been around lost family. Maybe there's family that really frustrates you. Maybe there's family that every year it's the same story over and over and over again. I just want to encourage you guys, as you see me sharing today, I was that family member over and over and over again. I want to encourage you guys to have faith and to trust in the Lord and to not lean on your own understanding about those people who are captive in your family by the devil. I want to encourage you guys to stand firm, to stay faithful, and to keep sharing the gospel with them. You will find breakthrough. And one of the other things that I want to share with you guys related to that is we need to tell our story. We need to tell our testimony. In the end times, this is what's going to unlock so much about taking down the devil and his evil army. We learn that in Revelation 12. It says that they overcame by the word, um, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even unto death. And saints, I'm, I'm, I'm just fearful that this generation were afraid of sharing our testimony. It's like we get broken free from all the things from the past, and then we just hide in our corner and say, you know what, being saved is good enough. But God has called you to so much more. You're part of the army here in the end times. And I want to encourage you guys to fashion your weapons, to yield and wield your swords in this season, and share your testimony of what God has taken you through out on the other side. We talked last Sunday about breaking free from shame. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more. But I want to encourage you guys to take a hold of that breakthrough. Take a hold of that breakthrough. Part of my story is that I've had breakthrough through so much shame. And I'm going to share that here in a moment. But the other side of that is we've got to be obedient to what God has said when he says, you don't need to carry that weight anymore. You don't need to carry that burden anymore. We're not doing God any favors by holding on to that stuff in our heart. God, God provides us the breakthrough. He's so gracious. He's so patient. And there's oftentimes this but. But, Lord, but this about the past. And he says, I, I don't see that anymore. I don't see that in you. Last week at the Indiana Awakening meetings, I felt like there was going to be a fissure that was created in the spirit, that there was going to be a plumb line laid in many of our lives, and I believe that there was through the baptisms that broke through there at the end. And I want to encourage you guys to take a hold of that plumb line. I've kept seeing this fissure in the spirit this week, this crack. You're not meant to step back over that place. You're meant to look forward to the future. You're not meant to look at your shame. And if you do stare at your shame, you're meant to say Jesus is better and I'm covered by the blood of the lamb. And so this is a special morning for me. As Paul mentioned, I was raised up in this house. I got baptized in this house back in 2020. Honestly, this is surreal. If you know the story that I came from, and Paul and Grace, she's sitting here crying, um, are so intimately aware. These, these elders in training are so intimately aware of my journey that it is a miracle. It is a miracle. People say it's a miracle. I'm, it is a miracle that I am standing here today. It is a miracle. I just want to take this moment, one, to praise the Lord, but to punch the devil right in the feet. I'm going to share with you guys a little bit of my story. So 2020 happens, and everyone knows 2020 COVID, all of those things. And back in 2013, my life had tanked out. I was just graduating college. And a lot of the choices that I made in college were a result of what happened in high school. 
in my high school years, I had some really difficult things happen to me. I incurred false accusation from an ex-girlfriend that created this shame over me. All of a sudden, I had all these people who were once for me that all of a sudden, they disappeared on me. And as a 17-year-old, you know what that does to your mind, that shame it creates? You feel like that black sheep. So I went off to college, and I said this as an 18-year-old. I said this over my life. What does it matter? My life is over. At 18 years old, right? And it was from that point on that I said, what does it matter? And I drowned my life in the drink and the other things that come along with that. And 2013 rolls around, and I step foot on this airplane. I just graduated from college. I was on my way to New York City to work at this finance job. And I sit down next to this man named Paul Johnson. Now, here's something about this story. I'm just, I'm just going to testify, you guys. I know some of you guys have heard this story, but it really is a testimony of what God has done, what God can do, and what God will do. As the darkness increases, you guys are going to hear more outrageous stories like this because God is just that good. As much as the darkness is pushing in right now, the light is going to push back even stronger and harder over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's just going to keep happening. So choose this day who you will serve because you will serve a master. Where was I? Okay, so 2013, I sit down on this flight. And what's amazing about this story and what I love is that day Paul was going to propose to his now wife, Taylor. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the day that I proposed to Grace, I was just like feeling, I'm just like, man, God, you are so good. Today's all about me. I mean, most of us would have done that. Paul could have put his earphones in and said, you know what, God, you are so good. And he would have been blessed in that, right? But instead, he said, would you sit someone next to me on this flight who needs to hear the gospel? And he sat, he sat down. It was open seating Southwest Airlines. He sits down in a middle seat to increase his chances. I mean, this, <laughs> this dude was not trying to hide, okay? It wasn't like a Lord, well, maybe. It was like, no, like I'm on a mission right now. And here I come in probably hungover, feeling a world of hurt and shame. And I sit down next to this dude, and here's just a classic evangelism tool. I was wearing a T-shirt of the uh, basketball team of the college that I went to, and that was his in. I encourage you guys, as you're evangelizing, wait for an in. I love prophetic evangelism because if you just wait on the Lord, if someone mentions something, man, that's your in right there. You don't have to force it. God will create a moment for you, I promise. And so Paulie, he, he points out, hey, do you like basketball? This is softball. I'm like, yeah, I like basketball. Little did I know he's going to share the gospel, right? And so for two hours, I asked Paul, I asked Paul would you walk me through the, through the Bible from the beginning to the end? And so for two hours, he shared the gospel with me. And, man, I felt the presence of God for the first time in my life. I got wrecked. And what was crazy was I, I got off that flight, and the first text I sent was, I think I just met my best man. Now, keep in mind, I wasn't dating anybody, none of that, but I had a knowing this dude is different, and that's what the gospel does, right? When you're walking in the spirit, people look at you, they talk to you, and they're like, this person is different. And it was refreshing. So I was like, I don't know what just happened. Paul goes and gets married. Eventually plants a church, and for seven years I ran. Once again, if you know prodigals that know the truth, keep after them. Keep hunting after them in the most loving way, right? 
So seven years I ran, and I'm going to tell you guys, it's not like my life was trashed the whole time. I went out there. I was successful in New York City in business. I went back to grad school. I graduated in the top of my class. I worked in uh, London. I worked in San Francisco at one of the fastest-growing startups in tech in Silicon Valley. I was getting promoted at all of these places. All the while, the shame was just trailing me. Over and over, I mean, every night, it was that same feeling at 18, my life is over. It doesn't really matter. I can have all this success, and my life still doesn't matter. I'm always going to have this tailing me and trailing me. And so just to kind of fast forward through my testimony a little bit, uh, this may seem a little nonlinear, but um, I'm working in San Francisco at this fast-growing startup, and I decide to go on a backpacking trip. I decided to go backpacking by myself for six months through Latin America. I don't know Spanish, um, but I just decided I'm going to do it, right? Because I was a runner. And so I go on this trip. I learned so much. But, man, there was this loneliness trailing me. I had prepared this word for you guys um, actually about shame. And then last week Lance just came by and just, poof, just completely detonated it. Praise the Lord, right? But part of that was reading my old journals, and recognizing, man, I didn't realize, but I had journaled all this stuff out of, man, I'm so lonely. I'm on this island. I'm on this beautiful tropical island. It's New Year's, and I feel so lonely. There can only be so many sunsets over the beach, so many beautiful New York and San Francisco and Paris and London skylines before you have to face yourself. And that's what happened in my life. That's what happened in my life. I got back from my backpacking trip. I had a horrible family tragedy occur. It completely tanked out my life. We can talk more about it another time. But completely tanked out my life. I had no money. I was living in L.A., a city I didn't know anyone. And I like to say that I was living at a Craigslist shack. I can show you guys pictures. I mean, there were beer cans and cigarettes just mounted up in the back. I was living with strangers I didn't know. 2020 rolls around, and I get a text from... Paul. Now, I'd not talked to him for seven years. I'd been running, making foolish decisions. And here comes this man. He was sharing in a discipleship group about how he'd shared the gospel with me. And he could not get me off his heart. So he tracked me down and started to disciple me from across the country. I had nothing to lose in my life. I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're at the very bottom and you've got nothing to lose, you're in a perfect place. It may not feel good. I want to encourage you, if you're saved and you feel like you've hit rock bottom, you might just be where God wants you because he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to speak to you. I want to encourage you, don't quit the fight. Don't stop fighting. Lots of times, we're just an inch away from that breakthrough. We saw it last week. Man, how many people were in that wilderness journey, and then all of a sudden, in a moment, let's clear out on the other side. So I come here. I fly in July 3rd, 2020. I'll never forget it. I was descending on this flight, and I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm visiting this dude in Indiana. Keep in mind, I live on the West Coast. I'm visiting this dude in Indiana. Uh, that I met seven years ago, and uh, let's just see what happens. But I'm descending, and I see all the fireworks going off for the 4th of July over Indianapolis. Never forget that moment. And what I was met with in this house was love. What I was met with was Jesus. I came in with so much fear and shame of being rejected, and I just want to encourage you guys, one, if you don't know Jesus, this is a safe place. 
This is a safe place for you to tell your story, to talk about your fear, your shame, to have your breakthrough, and then your breakdown, then your breakthrough, then your breakdown. Once again, stay in the fight, stay in the wrestle, stay in the battle. Do not give up. I want to exhort you, do not give up. Do not take your boxing gloves off. The enemy wants you to quit. Just keep saying yes. I've not done anything special in my journey with the Lord other than just keep saying yes. I didn't quit. That's it. So in that time, in the time since 2020, God has changed so much in my life. He's transformed so much in my life. And the last thing I'll say about this before I really get into what I feel like the Lord wants me to share for today is that one of the biggest things that, that, that really um, created my breakthrough over and over again was vulnerability, was sharing over and over again what was really troubling me and not being afraid of what that meant. I can't tell you how many times I wept in Paul's office. I mean, these are things people don't see, but I wept in Paul's office countless times. Knock on Paul's office, I need to repent to you. Knock on Taylor's office, I need to repent to you. Knock on Ben's office, I need to repent to you. Humility is always the way, you guys. Humility is always the way. That's what creates the breakthrough. What does it say? God gives grace to the humble and resists the proud. So I want to encourage you, always go the way of humility. Even if you feel like you weren't completely in the wrong or in the wrong at all, go of the place of humility. So that has been my journey uh, thus far. There's so many crazy things that have happened. True to that story, Paul ended up being my best man, which is crazy. I ended up marrying his sister-in-law, Grace, who's been my wife for over two years now. Um, God has taken us on an insane ride. Uh, I could sit here for the next two hours and share my testimony of what God has done, uh, and it would just completely continue to blow my own mind. But I want to encourage you guys in that of don't give up. Last week, there was so much breakthrough from shame, and there was this feeling inside of me as I'd been preparing this word about shame of, let's go, but two, let's keep having that breakthrough. Let's not give up, because here's what's going to happen is, Sunday, you have your breakthrough, and Monday morning, quarterback rolls around and says, well, I really shouldn't have shared that much. I really shouldn't have shared what I was struggling with. Well, I've got a job. I work here, here, and here, and I, I know that. No, that's the devil. Share your story, share your testimony, share your breakthrough. That's how we overcome, by the blood of the lamb, the word of the testimony, and not loving our lives even unto death. We can't love our lives if we're going to share our testimonies. I was this, I was that, I was this, I was that, but Jesus, but Jesus. And so prophetically for this house, I feel like we're on the doorstep, or I know we're on the doorstep into something new in this season. Um, last week, Lance shared, I believe on Saturday night, out of John 4. He shared about the woman at the well. And in that story, he was talking about how a time is coming, an hour is coming, and now is, when the worshipers, the true worshipers, are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I want to encourage you guys that a time is coming in the body of Christ, but a time now is here at our Father's house. A time now is here at our Father's house where we are meant to worship. Today, it's cracking me up. 
We're meant to worship right now. This is a house of prayer and worship. That's the direction in which this place is moving towards here in the future. Is the most prized possession. Once again, this is going to happen here, but also in the body of Christ at large. The prized possession will be the prayer room. It will be the Tuesday morning prayer at 6 to 8 a.m., which I invite and encourage you all to be at. The 6 to 8 a.m. morning prayer sets. All of those places. You want to know why? Because there's nothing that the church can gain. There's no offering basket put out. There's no ask. It's just the presence of the Lord and seeking his face. And that is the prize. That is the prize that is coming in this hour in the body of Christ. Jesus wants worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. And so that looks like the prize being Jesus. What does the Bible say? Jesus addresses money so many times. Seek first the kingdom. All of these things will be added to you. Okay? So if we believe what Jesus says, then let's seek first the kingdom. I want to exhort you guys. I've got nothing to gain, but I want to exhort you to come on Tuesday mornings. Even if it's seven minutes. Even if it's like, man, we've got a couple kids, or I've got work, and it starts at 630. I just want to invite you guys to come and just roll through and be in the presence of the Lord. We all know that God can do something in a minute. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the car. Maybe I've had a tough day. But in a moment, God can break through because of that yes, because I'm worshiping in spirit and in truth and not in my feelings. So like I said, prophetically, we are crossing over. And I believe this word today is meant to be a bridge of where we've been and where we're going as a house. Last week, we had our breakthrough. I also want to encourage you that if you didn't, quote, unquote, get your breakthrough last week, you've got an opportunity today. You've got an opportunity in this moment. Man, the enemy is crafty. He lies. If you got your breakthrough last week, you shared too much. If you didn't get your breakthrough last week, well, you're a failure and a loser. He always seeks to box you into all of these places, and I want to encourage you, your breakthroughs today. Maybe you had a breakthrough last Sunday, and you're like, man, I had a rough week. What happened to that breakthrough? That's okay. Keep plowing. Keep pushing, right? So we're crossing over in this moment, and this is what I was really sensing over this house um, with the word I'd been preparing related to shame. I felt that we were in a John 21 moment. So John 21 is the story of Peter and Jesus. And how many of us know that Peter denied Jesus three times? Peter was one of Jesus' best friends. He was there for the highlight reel. I mean, Peter walked on water. I mean, can we say, that is crazy. It says in the book of Acts uh, that they were laying people out on cots so that Peter's shadow would fall on them. But Peter didn't walk in that freedom without restoration from shame that happened in John 21. And so I believe last week we were knocking on that John 21. So many of us were in a wilderness season. So many of us were in that desperation mode of crying out to God over and over again. Of God, I need breakthrough. I need healing. I need deliverance from all these places in my life. And God granted that breakthrough for us. And what does Jesus say in John 21? He says to Peter, do you love me? Right, Peter's staring down all of his failures, and Jesus asks the simple question, do you love me? Love is the motivation that will carry us in this hour. Love, purity, and simplicity of devotion to Christ is what will carry us in this hour. Because what does it say in 2 Corinthians? That's what distracted Eve. The serpent was crafty, and it distracted her from the purity and simplicity of devotion to Christ. 
And so in this hour, the, the love of God is the motivator. That is the prize of what we're after. And so Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And what's so incredible, man, I love this story in John 21 because, man, isn't it all of our lives? We're all so fickle. Can we just admit it? We're all so fickle in our love for God. One moment we're on the mountaintop, yes, yes, Lord, I'll go anywhere for you. And then Tuesday it's like, oh, man, I lost my job. <sighs> Are you there, Lord? Right? I I've, I've done it. I've done it. So John 21, do you love me? The Greek word for love that Jesus uses is agapao or agape love. That's that godly love. That's that sacrificial love. And Peter responds with, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. But in the Greek, the translation is phileo. That is a friendship type of love. That's a lesser type of love. So in that moment, Peter's copying to Jesus, you know I love you, but this is all I got. This is my little mini offering to you, Lord, and it ain't much, but this is all I got, and I'm going to give it to you. And so John 21 happens. Jesus restores Peter in front of his peers. Very intentional how Jesus does it. He does it at the Sea of Galilee where they had so much history, where Jesus called Peter and James and John, where he walked on the water, all of those things. This place had history in their lives together. These guys that Peter was with had history with him. So Jesus didn't say, do you love me, to heap more shame on him. He said it to restore his brothers so that in Acts 1, Peter could stand up. He could stand up and preach with confidence and boldness because he had nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. And I just want to declare prophetically over this house that you have nothing to be ashamed of if you are in Christ. You have nothing to be ashamed of if you are in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. The old has passed away. And in that passing away, we're transitioning to an Acts 1 type of season. We had a John 4 moment of breakthrough, right? The worshipers in spirit and in truth. Many of us went through a John 21 type of season where we're facing our failures and our shame and wrestling through it with God. And now the breakthrough, what many of us didn't know as we're knocking on John 21, is that all we've got to do is turn the page and we're an Acts 1. John 21 Acts 1, and that's the breakthrough. That's what we're stepping into in this season as a house. That's the destiny over this house. It's nothing flashy, nothing fancy. We see God removing that and stripping that in this season. What he's after is worshipers who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. So you're going to see a rawness and a realness come forth in this season and seasons to come here at our Father's house and in the body of Christ at large. And that's what we're stepping into. And I, I do have text for us to get to, but I want to encourage you guys and also demonstrate to you guys that as we talk about an Acts 1 and an Acts 2 church, many times we're so focused on the crazy things that happened, all the signs and the wonders and the miracles, and we get so hitched to that, right? And, we, and I, listen, I want to see that. And that sounds awesome. I'm expectant for that, right? But all of those things, all of those things are, are going to happen, but the call is to an Acts 1 place of prayer. And that's where this house, that's the direction this house is moving into, is that place of prayer. Jesus is ascended. I'm just going to go there real quick. Hang with me here. 
So Jesus is ascended in Acts 1. This always cracks me up. Uh, here in verse 10, because it talks about these two men in white clothing that are standing beside the apostles. And they say to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? I mean, Jesus is being ascended. Why do you stand looking into the sky? This is Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, who will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. Right? That's the confidence of God. Why, why, why do you stand watching and worrying? Right? An hour is coming and now is. Okay. And what do we see then? It says that the apostles, they return to Jerusalem. It's in verse 12. Verse 13, it says, when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is, and it lists their names. And what does it say in verse 14? These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Jesus moved in power, and they were moved to prayer. So let's see, last week, last Saturday and Sunday, Jesus moved in power. We should be moved to prayer. It's a sacrifice, right? When we get to that place of prayer, man, all of our flesh and our soul is poking at us. Ooh, well, I know today I've got this meeting, and God, I'm just going to bring this meeting to you. There's value in that, right? Well, what about purity and simplicity of devotion to Christ where it's just all about him? Where we recognize, God, I know you see my problems. I know you see the error of my ways. I know that you see what last week was and what this week will be. And I'm just going to focus on you. And I'm going to devote these two hours, these two minutes to you. This is my offering. This is my little phileo offering to you. I love you. It's little, but this is what I've got, Father. Would you bless it? So this is, this is where we're going to be probably for the rest of the way is Acts 2. If you guys want to turn with me there, we're going to be in Acts 2 starting in verse 41. So let's pick up the story here. <clears throat> So this is after the Holy Spirit falls in power on the day of Pentecost. Peter, once again, that same Peter, denied Jesus three times. Would you look at that? I mean, this is, this is crazy, you guys, what Jesus did, right? What is the call and the cry from Jesus in John 21? It's not, hey, you've been restored. I'm going to sit you on the, cell, on the shelf for a bit. He says, feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Hey, feed them. I'm empowering you. You've got everything you need. Go out and run. That's the empowerment to you guys. Go out there and run. Go out and be the body of Christ. Don't look at your lack and your shame. Don't move from a place of timidity. You've been forgiven much, so you have an opportunity to love much, right? This is a word of empowerment for you guys about what you're about to step into, right? We sense the changing and the shifting of the seasons in this house. We've heard prophetically from Jeff Lyle and other people that the foundation has been laid in this house. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we kick our feet back and say, all right, sweet foundation. 
Um, let's, just, let's just enjoy it. No, the call is for more. The call is for more, God. We should be moved from a place of gratitude of thank you, Jesus, for solidifying this foundation. Now let's use it to dance on the enemy. Let's use it to benefit our community. Let's use it to benefit the lives of others. Acts 2. Here we go. We're getting there. Acts 2, verse 41. So we're talking about Peter here, right? And how he shared the gospel and how they were all pierced to the heart. It says in verse 41, So then those who had received his words were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Can you guys say continually? You guys might have picked up today. There's not going to be a whole lot of teaching points, but this would be your moment right now if you want some bullet points to satisfy. No, I, it's, it's kind of funny because I love bulleted list. Paul was talking about organization. Man, I love that stuff, but something happens when the Spirit of the Lord takes over, and I just, I just can't do it. So anyway, if you want bullet points, here's your opportunity, okay? Verse 41, this is what it says. This is the call to action. So then it says, or excuse me, verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. One, continually. Continually. We struggle with endurance in the church. We struggle with endurance in the American church especially. We talked about it this morning, distraction. There was a real spirit of distraction over this house, and, and by God's grace, it was broken. I really do believe that, but we struggle with distraction. So they were continually devoting themselves. Continually looks like, um, not like, I got a sugar rush on Sunday, and um, next Sunday will sustain me. Continually looks like every day in the presence of God. Every day seeking his nearness. Every day, God, I just want more of you. I don't care what it looks like. They were continually devoting. Can you guys say devoting? Devotion looks like something, right? If I've got devotion to my wife, Grace, it looks like something. If she were to say, oh, Nick is devoted to me, that means that there's a certain sacrifice related to that devotion. There's a certain intimacy involving that devotion, right? Devotion looks and feels like something. So they were continually devoting themselves. Can you guys say themselves? Here's, here's what's happening here. We're saying themselves because this is a call to action for this house. God has liberated you. He's freed you. You've arrived into the promised land, and what are we to do now? We're to take it and run with it. We're to make this place better, right? We're to, we're to continually devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So make no mistake about it, this is costly, you guys. Woo, this is costly. This is inconvenient. Man. God has been addressing my inconvenienced heart for three years now. I'm going to be honest with you guys. He's still working on it. Man, my time is not my time, but I like to feel like it is. Man. 
So they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I want to encourage you guys here, and I know we've talked about it relating to the grace on Paul's life. And the elders in training who are stepping in and doing an incredible job. I have this vantage point during the week where I get to see these men operate. And I want to encourage you guys that they are laboring. Man, they are laboring and laboring. And it's not by their own strength. It's by the grace of God. But I want to invite you guys into a place of honor for these men. They didn't, they don't know I was going to say this, anything like that. But I see it every week. I travel with Paulie in his ministry. And I know we've been talking more and more about Paul T. Johnson Ministries and how do you guys stay plugged in, all of those things. But, guys, I see a window into this man's life. I see when he's got to leave his wife and his kids, right? I see where he's out there ministering. And, man, sometimes we've got people that show up at our hotel. These are leaders in the body of Christ looking for advice, looking for insight. I would maybe color that inconvenient in my flesh, right? But this is a sacrifice that's required in this hour. We hear it so much, brother, it's all grace. It don't take all that. Uh, read the New Testament. Uh, look at Jesus' life. Look at Paul's life. It, it does require all of that. And so I want to invite you guys to a place of honor as it would relate to these men. I'll, I'll leave that up to you guys. But what I see especially as I travel with Paul is it's not like he shows up and picks up the mic and preaches and walks off. Paul will spend hours and hours at people's homes ministering to them. He's sitting in their living rooms. These are leaders, esteemed leaders in the body of Christ, people that we treasure relationally. And you guys know leaders have troubles. They have problems, right? And so he sits there and ministers to these people sometimes for hours and hours and hours, late into the night. And what happens next? He wakes up early in the morning and preaches and teachings, teaches men's breakfast, Sunday morning message, Sunday evening revival service, drive back through the middle of the night. Yes, it does take all that. Yes, it does. I said we have points. Anyone have any points? <laughs> okay. We're still in verse 42. I just feel like this is so important for us to hit, though, guys, because we get so excited about an Acts 2 church. Man, yeah, we're, we're really aiming for an Acts 2 body, all of these things. But there's an Acts 2 requirement associated with it. We get so amped up about the glitz and the glam of the Acts 2 church, and we can make that an idol in our hearts. We're talking about, we hear it so much about how God is tearing down denominationalism in this time in the earth. But what about spirit-filled idolatry? What about spirit-filled believers who are so obsessed with the moment? They're so obsessed with the sugar rush of, man, I've not spent any time with God for the last two weeks, but I'm just going to show up to this conference, and I'm going to look for a word. I'm going to go word hunting, right? It's, it's, it's not an indictment. It's a call higher, right? It's a call higher. When you step up in God, you go lower. That's always the call. As we step into this new season of the promised land, the call is lower, guys. I said it before, God will bring the blessing. Don't worry about getting yours, whatever. God will take care of that. Get sorted out in the wash. He always does it. He likes to take care of every one of his kids. Always has, always will. So they were continually devoting themselves to the breaking of bread, right? How often are we taking the Lord's Supper? How often are we, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. 
I was so convicted of this. How often do I take communion in remembrance of Jesus? And so often I take communion because I need to repent, right? I don't know about some of y'all, but I've been in that season, man. I've been taking communion a lot. Um, but what about doing it to honor Jesus? What about in remembrance of him and setting our gaze on him? And then finally, man, we made it through 42, into prayer, right? Into prayer. So as we move through Acts 2, 41 and 42, we see in 43, it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed and were together and had all things in common. Once again, don't get me wrong here. I love the signs and wonders, right? They're incredible. They're necessary, right? But we can't get so fixed on a moment that we lose sight of the one that even made the moment in the first place. We're so obsessed with the moment, right, as a body of Christ. So here we go again, right? This is what it's going to require. Acts 2 Verse 45, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Can you guys say selling their property? property. (laughs) Can you say selling my property? property. Right? This is going to cost us something as we're stepping into this new season. It's going to require something deeper. We're going to have to give in a way that kind of hurts. The days are coming to a close of convenient giving, of flippant giving, of, you know what, I paid my tithe, I did my dues, all of those things, guys. That's not Christ-likeness. Do you guys really think Jesus would have just tithed? His life was an offering. It was a drink offering poured out over and over and over again every single day. So giving should be secondary. Giving is a representation of what's manifesting in our hearts. And we manifest those things in our hearts, a generous giver, by being in a place of prayer, by seeking the face of Jesus, by coming to know him more intimately and more deeply. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all. Can you guys say with all? We don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to pick and choose who we get to share with. We may think that we have people figured out whatever it may be God says and do it. God loves obedience. And that's the heartbeat of God. And I understand obedience is tough. It can be, right? But over and over again, if you stay in the ring, he's going to form you deeper into the image of Jesus. Okay, here we go. Almost there. Verse 46, Acts 2. Day by day, continuing with one mind. Can you guys say one mind? In the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Can you guys say gladness? Can you guys say sincerity of heart? Praising God. Can you say praising God? And having favor with all the people. Say having favor. Right? God is after our heart postures in this season. He's after the why behind why we do things. Does the Bible not say, Lord, Lord, I did all of these things in your name, and Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. So your offering may be tiny, but if, you, if it's what you know God wants you to give, then I encourage you to bring that at the ready. 
Have that in your pocket at a moment's notice of Jesus. I'm willing to lay this down. I'm willing to lay down my job for your name. I'm willing to lay down my house for your name. I'm willing to give away my car for your name. I'm willing to do it all for your name, Jesus, because you said. And that obedience is a love language of God. And that's what we're stepping into in this season. So I want to invite you guys. I want to encourage you guys into this. In this season, I feel like there's going to be this atmospheric pressure that naturally mounts in the spirit. What does that mean? It means that by the spirit of God... There's going to be this move, there's going to be this trend to live in this Acts 2 place of sacrifice. You won't be able to help it. There's going to be that momentum and you're going to look to your left and to your right and you're going to get wind of, not because someone was sharing it, but you're going to get wind of the sacrifice of others. You're going to get wind of people showing up to morning prayer every single week. Once again, the church doesn't benefit from that. Only you and Jesus benefit from that, right? It's that intimacy together. And so that's the change and the shift that's happening in the body of Christ and in this house in this next hour. And I I just want to encourage you guys that if it's not your place to be generous, if it makes you feel uncomfortable to get into the place of prayer, right, if you feel constantly distracted. Yesterday, as I was praying, I had this vision of someone taking a step into the prayer room and a hand was grabbing their ankle and trying to pull them back, right? That's back to that place of shame. That's back to that place of, well, I've always been this person. I've always had this struggle. I want to encourage you guys to break free from that. There's an invitation, guys. So much of my experience in God has been taking that moment of encounter and capitalizing on it. God so clearly speaks. I just want to tell you guys a story, okay? This is one of those fill-in-the-lines kind of stories from my testimony. But I was working at this job in California after I moved here, after I got saved. I'm still working that job, working weird hours, all of these things. And Mitchell Wasman, we're at a, a weekend meeting at our father's house. This is the winter of 20. And Mitchell Wasman comes up to me from a place of obedience. He says, man, I don't know what this means, but I see a piece of yarn, or excuse me, I see this chain connecting Indiana to California. And as I look at it deeper in the spirit, I see a piece of yarn and all you've got to do is clip it. And so I submit that word to Paul, and it became pretty clear to both of us, i got to quit my job. I ain't got a job lined up, none of that stuff. That was what, Saturday or Sunday, Monday, I put in my two weeks. Stepping out into the unknown. I moved here with like 20 grand worth of debt. I mean, y'all, I was messed up. If you think you're messed up, man, come find me after. Let's, let's talk, right? Let's, let's share some battle scars and what God can do, right? It's not the oppression Olympics of I had it worse or you had it worse. Or da, 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 da. No, it's, 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 it's what Jesus has done, right? It's what Jesus has done. If we would fix our eyes on Jesus, author, perfecter, oh, yeah, quit the job, right? So I quit the job. Get this. I started applying to jobs. Like, man, I used to be in sales. I'm going to apply to this sales job. I got an in. I'm like, dude, I, I'm going to get this job. Um, and then God tells me on a Sunday morning on the altar, deny yourself and wait three weeks to apply to any job. It's like, what? Little did I know in that moment, Paul had an encounter with the Lord that said, Nick is your administrator. They weren't looking for a church administrator, none of that. 
So I go and tell Polly, I say, hey, Lord told me to wait three weeks. That sound like wisdom to you? He's like, I reckon maybe, you know. <laughs> and in that process, God worked something out in me, right? And then I started working at the church as the administrator. We're all called to our lane, right? God's tearing down the idolatry of ministry, you know. <laughs> we said it before. This really doesn't, this really doesn't matter. It just doesn't mean anything. This is an act of obedience, right? But I want to encourage you guys, your breakthrough is now. Your breakthrough is this moment. You have an opportunity in this changing of season, right? We've got to fight through our emotions. We've got to fight through our flesh and our soul. And we've got to anchor our soul, right? Is that Hebrews 6? The anchor of our souls. We've got to be anchored in Jesus. We've got to be anchored in the love of God. That's what's going to see us through. So make no mistake about this. As we're going into the deep, deeper into the place of prayer, as we're going deeper into the deeper things of God and sacrifice, you better believe that is going to tick the enemy off. You better believe some things are going to rise up, right? But if we keep each of our hearts anchored to Jesus, he's going to work all those things out, right? You guys stand with me. Jerrica, can you come forward? I just feel like I'm hearing right now that to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. Anyone here been given much by Jesus? Anyone been given much by merely being in this house, being a part of our Father's house? Right? I just want to encourage you. I want to invite all of you guys. I shared a little bit of my testimony. But I want you, if you've given your life to Jesus, to think about that moment right now. That moment you gave your life to Jesus. Forgetting what lays behind, not all the, well, I gave up this way. Giving that moment. If you've got a prayer language, I just want to encourage you to start praying in the Spirit. To whom much is given, much is required, much is tested, right? Guys, we've been given the pearl of great price. We've been given an incredible opportunity at this fellowship, you guys. And the things that God wants to do in this place, we ain't seen nothing yet. Guys, if you're willing, please join me in lifting a shout of praise to the Lord of what he's done in your life. I want to encourage you to search your heart of what God has done in your life. Jesus. Peter in John 21, he was staring down his greatest failure. He was amongst his peers. So much regret, I'm sure, invaded his heart. But Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus already knew that he did. He already knew that he did. His heart was restoration. His heart was freedom. So I want to encourage you today. If there are things in your life, idols in your life, 
that you need to lay down on the altar, I want to invite you forward in this moment. If you feel like, and this, this is going to be two, maybe threefold, okay? If you feel like you missed your moment last Sunday as we relate to shame, I want to invite you forward. Listen, there's nothing to be ashamed about <laughs> if you're dealing with shame. Come on now. There's layers to this stuff, right? But there's layers to God's healing, okay? So if you're struggling, if you're still in that place of shame, I want to encourage you. It's not your portion. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So if in this moment you're like, man, I'm not living abundantly, there's an invitation forward. If you feel like this word has stirred something in your heart about sacrifice unto the king, sacrifice in this house. Maybe some of us need to get right with God about how we've stewarded our finances, how we've stewarded our free time. I want to encourage you guys and invite you forward that this isn't just another altar call, but this is a staple on a moment that God did last week. There was an invitation last week. There was a breakthrough into the promised land, and God wants to staple that into your heart in this moment. He wants to fasten that into your heart that I am who I say I am. I am the God of the breakthrough. I was the God of your breakthrough. I will be the God of your breakthrough now and forevermore. So I want to invite you forward. I want to encourage you desperation looks like something man how many times in my walk did I not feel like it I didn't feel like showing up I didn't feel like being nice I didn't feel like sacrificing I didn't feel like doing that altar call for shame for the fifth time because I'm still struggling with my shame because I'm still struggling even though I wept before my brothers this week about my shame man I'm still carrying it but Jesus sees that lack in your heart, and he wants to meet you in this place today. There's a call to more. What do we say? Acts 2 looks like the more of God, but it also looks like more sacrifice. So if you feel a call for more in your life, more thanksgiving, more giving, a deeper level of sacrifice. I want to invite you forward this morning. Your breakthrough is waiting here on the altars, like I said before. Sometimes it does take all that. Sometimes it really does. 